Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. In today's episode, we're discussing a topic that many HR professionals hope to avoid, but unfortunately one that many will have to face at some stage in their career, the topic of managing a disciplinary procedure. And to go through this topic today, we're delighted to be joined by Liam Barton, Senior HR Consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Liam? Very good, Owen. Thank you. Brilliant. Welcome back. It's been a while. Uh, and as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm doing great. Thanks, Owen. So let's jump right in. And I suppose to set a bit of context, Liam, I'll come to yourself first. Um, so what is a disciplinary procedure and why might they be necessary? A disciplinary procedure typically on is where the behavior or conduct of an employee deviates from the norms that are expected um, within the organization. So in other words, a disciplinary process is where an, an employer is of the view that the employee's behavior or conduct um, is outside the bound or the range of acceptable behavior or conduct at work or their performance at work is outside the range of acceptable behavior. Um, so why might a disciplinary process be necessary? So for instance, if we take Inside HR, if Mary Cullen was of the view that Liam Barton's sales performance wasn't at a particular level, typically there would be a performance management intervention in terms of Mary sitting down with Liam and agreeing targets. If that wasn't achieving the, imp- the improvement required, typically Mary would write out to Liam and say, look, your, your sales performance is deviating from the norm of acceptable sales figures. And therefore, unfortunately, I'm proposing to take disciplinary action against you and invite me to a disciplinary meeting. Um, so it can be, a disciplinary process can be invoked by an employer on the basis of non-performance, but it can also be very often, to be fair on it, it's implemented on the basis of conduct or behavior, which is not acceptable practice within the organization. So you could be talking about unprofessional behavior or lewd comments or lewd conduct. Uh, You could be talking about more serious examples of downloading of pornographic materials or um, bullying or harassment at work. So typically a, a disciplinary process or policy is invoked by an organization when they're unhappy with the way in which an employee has conducted him or herself, whether that's from a performance point of view or from a conduct and behavior point of view, typically within the organization. Okay, great. Or both. Or both, both. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose given that they are quite broadly, are they typically Hmm. resolved formally, informally? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question, Owen, because when I was starting out my career in in HR many, many years ago, but more years than I care to remember (laughs) on, um, I I got very good advice, which was that, you know, invoking the disciplinary process is often a sign that we've all failed anyway, because, you know, we want to have a good relationship with our employees. 
it typically isn't good for morale or for the employer-employee relationship um, for disciplinary action to be taken against an employee. And very often it's, it's unlikely that an employer will take disciplinary action against an employee. It'll fix the problem and everything will go back to happy families. Typically, it's the first stage in, in uh, an ongoing process whereby the employee finds him or herself outside the organization. Um, so in essence, we try to avoid disciplinary action if we can at all. Um, and it, it's generally, uh, I suppose, we would try and achieve what we're trying to achieve by other interventions, such as a quiet word or a performance management one-to-one. Um, typically, we try and avoid using disciplinary action um, because it can get very emotive and very difficult uh, for the employee and, and to maintain the, uh, the ongoing balance that is required in terms of the employer-employee relationship. Brilliant. I suppose, Mary, then to to kind of bring it to, I suppose, the procedural piece at the side of it. Um, is there any legislation covering this? Is there code of practice, anything like that, or what kind of guides the process typically? Yeah, there's a code of practice on discipline and grievance procedures, which clearly sets out the approach that the employer ought to take and a discipline policy that every organisation is required by law to put in place um, would be written along uh, the lines of the code of practice. So most of them look pretty similar. There's usually a a statement outlining um, how the organisation will use it as a last resort rather than a first resort. And I think that's always good advice. And then it outlines the various um, stages of the process and who will be involved, including if there will be investigation as part of that process. Um, And it typically sets out Um, the rights around representation, the rights around, um, you know, having a case fairly heard um, and the right to appeal. And all of these are enshrined in the principles of natural justice uh, and employees have a number of rights uh, associated with any disciplinary process. But time and time again, we see and we always say on this particular uh, pod that, you know, employers often fail to follow their own policies in the first instance. So we would always say that, you know, if there's performance or behavior or conduct that an employer is concerned about, you know, the first thing that you do isn't leap onto a formal process. The first thing is to handle that informally. And time and time again, we see that the line management don't act quickly enough. If you ask line managers, you know, at what point did you become concerned about the performance, the behavior, the conduct of an individual? They will normally tell you um, that they've been experiencing something for months or years. Um, and that they had got to breaking point with a particular situation. Now, you have to separate out uh, normal performance and conduct and behavioural issues from really serious issues um, of gross misconduct. So gross misconduct can be 
anything where there's a serious breach and contravention of the organization's policies and procedures. And Lee mentioned a couple there like bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, fraud and theft, um, you know, uh, dealing drugs and the workplace, fundamental breaches in the organization's policies. And they're typically dealt with through um, the discipline procedure, usually with an investigation beforehand um, and a final stage with the ultimate sanction being dismissal uh, arising from it. Uh, and the policy will typically set out the stages, you know, which are typically a verbal warning, a, a first written warning, a second written warning, uh, termination, uh, or move to the final stages where termination might be a consideration um, for gross misconduct. And just building out what, what Mary said there, Liam, and I think I know the answer to this because Mary's actually outlined a few kind of key normal, I suppose we'd say norm typical steps to the process. But is there different processes for different things as well? Because again, there's so many different kind of actions, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I, I, I think one key word, which I think I would definitely emphasize around the whole area of, of disciplinary action is, is proportionality on. And it, it's very much that, you know, if we use the old adage, the punishment must fit the crime. And I think in my years of, of experience and working with clients and taking inbound inquiries, you know, I typically never get get the call that sort of says, you know, somebody has done something or misbehaved themselves. I'm thinking about giving them a verbal warning. Um, I, I typically get the call that it's, it's moved to the nuclear option and I need to exit this person immediately. And, you know, the, the general rule would be that, like Mary has said, the, the code of practice and, you know, disciplinary procedures would outline due process and natural justice. So, you know, there's a difference between certain behaviors and certain misconduct. So, you know, if, for instance, somebody lost their temper with somebody one day, would that be summary dismissal or, or gross misconduct? Probably not. And in recent years, the WRC has very much placed an emphasis on, you know, unless it was really outrageous behavior, which fundamentally changed the employment relationship and went to the heart of the employment relationship in terms of, you know, the employer no longer um, believing that it was possible for this person to, to remain on, on, on the books. There has to be a really, really serious issue uh, for, for gross misconduct and summary uh, dismissal to take place. Um, and typically organizations are better advised if they are facing something of a very serious nature to issue a final written warning and follow up with progressive training and and supervision and i would emphasize proportionality and objectivity because what i think often find happens on and i'd be interested in, in mary's view on this the employer loses patience because these processes by their nature own take time so i i can remember a client giving me a call and saying well look i've got a particular individual um, I want to take them through a disciplinary process and I don't see them as part of the long-term furniture within the organization. And I said, you know, a process of this nature could take six, six to 12 months. And I remember the client being horrified by this, but that's the reality of it. You, you know, processes of this nature do take time. 
you need to ensure natural justice and due process. The person has the right to, uh, to be heard, the right to representation in line with the procedures, which is a trade union official or fellow work colleague. They have the right to an appeal. They have an, a, a right to full transparency in terms of the case against them and to get that in advance of any disciplinary hearing. So, you know, you must go through a fair process and many employers trip themselves up by simply losing patience. And, you know, I'm sick of this. This person is not behaving in an appropriate way. I want them gone. And on one level, I can absolutely empathize with employers, but our, our, our role at Insight HR is not unfortunately owned necessarily to agree with everything that every client comes to us. It's to give professional high-level HR and employment law advice regarding um, the, the, the supports um, that should be put in place. Um, so I think it's very, very important to be objective and fair. And often we have to act as, you know, I won't say an independent party, but very much as an objective party in terms of that the employer is so caught up in what's going on in the chaos of what's going on in their employment that we need to detach ourselves and and give a reserved judgment in terms of the appropriate steps to take. Interestingly, you know, size of organisation doesn't mean that things will be done any better. Uh, You know, sometimes you imagine the bigger the HR department, the more sophisticated uh, all of these things will be and the fairer the processes will be within them. Um, And that's not the case. I don't find a huge difference between your, you know, average sized SME and your large corporate when it comes to mistakes around this whole area. Um, Discipline is one of those things. You know, who, who wants to do it? Who wants to be involved in those processes? How difficult is it to raise issues with people you work with every day? And because there's not enough training of the line management, those who are directly involved on a day-to-day basis with the employees, then a lot of issues don't get nipped in the bud. They, you know, are allowed fester or grow or performance issues um, are ongoing for quite a period of time. And then someone somewhere sometime says enough is enough. Uh, We need to act on this now. And next thing, an employee finds themselves in in a quite a structured, formal process. That is difficult. It's difficult at the human level. But it's not just difficult for those who are going through it, you know, who have a case to answer, who, who have potentially done something wrong. It's also difficult for those who have to raise these issues, who have to address them, who have to sit across the other side of the table um, and deliver sanctions that you know are going to devastate someone um, or affect their ability to pay their mortgage or their lives or their families. So there's a, I always shout out to HR people because it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And often all eyes in the organization look to the HR function, the HR practitioner when they have a big problem or, or someone somewhere says, I want this person gone. Um, and so it's it's really about you know 
how can you be as fair as possible to the individual, the employee, um, and ensure that the organization gets what it needs, which is the performance of the individual uh, or you know that the behavior and the conduct of the individual comes back in line with the organization's norms uh, and I separate out again gross misconduct from all of that because typically that involves something that you know is fundamental to the heart of the relationship it usually involves uh, destroying the trust and confidence that the organization has in the employee uh, and and it is handled in a much different way than most other run-of-the-mill day-to-day issues that an employer might have with uh, an employee. Definitely. So I suppose, Mary, so I suppose kind of situational question. I'm a HR manager. One of these tough situations comes my way. It's not a, a gross misconduct. It's a bit more complex. Um, and again, I'm kind of feeling the pressure of what effect this can actually have on the employee going through the procedure. What are some of the key things that I should look out for when I'm kind of getting prepared for procedures? Is there any kind of general advice where we say, right, stop, do these couple of things and then go ahead with the with the process? First thing I would say, um, gross misconduct is the most complex element of um, dealing with disciplinary matters because the ultimate sanction of dismissal makes it much more fraught and much more highly emotional. So to me, that is the most difficult element of it. Um, However, you also have to think about the individual. Yes, it's important that the individual is treated with uh, dignity and respect entirely throughout the process irrespective of what you believe they might ha- might or might not have done. So that's key and fundamental. Um, but an employee is able or meant to be able to withstand constructive feedback, uh, feedback on their performance, uh, which is formal or informal, um, and be able to withstand disciplinary action, um, provided that the you know approach from the employer is reasonable at all times. When these things move move outside of the organisation into a third party uh, forum. When it's judged, I guess, when somebody's looking on to see were you fair in what you did, they're going to look at two things. They're going to look at the procedures that were applied. Did you follow a fair procedure? Did you, in fact, follow your own procedures? So that's fundamental. But then they're going to look at the substantive issue uh, in terms of how reasonable was the sanction given what the employee had actually done. So when it comes to the termination of employment, you know, there's a high bar there from an employer perspective. As Liam says, you might be safer to give a final written warning and uh, follow up with supervision, training, um, and whatever other means you you can. Um, But that's not always the case because if you find uh, that somebody has done something really dreadful within the organization uh, you may need to dismiss on the basis that you no longer have trust and confidence in the individual but you can't just jump there for everything mm-hmm. um, and in terms of tips from a, a practitioner perspective 
you know, make sure you have a paper trail, uh, make sure every meeting is minuted, um, make sure that you have shared those minutes with the person who has been disciplined, make sure that, you know, you don't have four or five people sitting in a room with uh, one person or two people, make sure you offer representation, make sure you clearly outline the case against someone and give them an opportunity to defend themselves with plenty of time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure is it just me, Mary Lee, you might have noticed as well, but I'm seeing a lot of cases in the news around kind of unfair dismissal, this kind of stuff. So it is something that employers can get wrong and the cost is, I suppose, can be quite big if you get it get it wrong, Mary, can't it? Absolutely. Um, from a WRC perspective, um, someone can be awarded up to two years salary. Now, look, the reality is they're the worst possible cases. And in, in reality, that those kind of awards are few and far between. However, I would always approach any HR matter in the employee, um, you know, IR, employee relations arena, carefully and cautiously, because they can, you know, spread out beyond the organization. It can damage the employer brand. Uh, The media can pick up on a case um, and, you know, you can be publicly embarrassed you you can also be named in proceedings now um so there's there's no protection for the employer when it gets to that point Mm -hmm. so it's really you know pick up the phone get advice if you if you're not confident in this area if it's not your expertise pick up the phone get advice you know half an hour talking to us or people like us or half an hour speaking to an employment law solicitor, it goes a long way towards um, HR people getting this kind of thing right. Um, And, you know, sometimes people are looking at cost and trying to control cost at the early stages of the process. And actually by the end of the process, it's spiraled out of control and, and really big mistakes have been made. You know, it's not as simple as just approaching an employee and saying your face no longer fits here. Um, We don't like what you have done. Here is a deal. Take it and go away. And, And lots and lots of HR practitioners still put deals like that on the table in front of people and go, we can do this the nice way or the hard way. That kind of practice is is well and truly gone unless you're operating off really clear and specific advice uh, around your own particular situation uh, and you know what you're doing when you sit down in front of an employee and do that and so I, I would always say take the time spend the money before you start know what you're doing um and, you know, then execute it as best you possibly can. You know, that's one thing we always kind of aim for, Liam, when we, when we ask these questions and talk about these topics is that whole thing around prevention is better than cure. So I suppose, look, people are people. There will always be conflict. There will always be rules being broken, that kind of stuff. But is there anything that employers can do to reduce, I suppose, the regularity of disciplinaries? Is it things like 
training like manager training line managers like Mary said earlier or is it things like I don't know just literally promoting your policies a bit more so people know where they stand is there anything at all that, we, that I suppose our listeners could do yeah there's a couple of things and I think you've you, you've mentioned a couple of them yourself Oh, and I, I think one word that, that's very important has been mentioned in a lot of codes of practice is culture. I suppose culture and values. Um, so, you know, establishing and making clear among our, all employees and, and contractors and visitors to the organizations and that the leaders within the organizations, you know, um, lead the culture and, and own the culture and, and are the culture, really. Um, and I think that goes a long, long way because... If a new employee comes in and sees an established culture in terms of dignity and respect, um, diversity and inclusion, if they see that people are treated fairly and objectively and that there's reasonable and calm approach and an objective approach to employee-related matters, typically they'll go with that and they want to be part of that, that journey. Um, another thing which I always say to, to clients, and it amazes me on quite honestly, that employers and companies go out and headhunt and spend a lot of money on recruitment and you know they, they sometimes i think we we, we make the, the the mistake that um we, we almost think the journey has ended once we've we've recruited someone and really the journey has only begun in terms of culture and values orientation induction giving people the right tool set to start their working career with an organization and certainly the probationary period I think is incredibly important and and setting the values and goals and having a proper probationary period most of the organizations probably that Mary and I would have worked with yes we have a probationary policy absolutely we conduct reviews when we get behind that and we say well look that's lovely can we pull out the three-month review for Liam Barton here he's a point of pain for you within your warehousing department ah, yeah, um, we mightn't actually have had the time to conduct that on Mr. Barton. So really having a system where performance is captured and managed and, and encouraged from, from day one, and that there's a simple performance management tool that doesn't need to be a 37-page document, but can be a simple two to three-pager of how is Liam performing? How is he getting on with staff? How is he getting on with customer customers? Is he performing well in his role? What sort of constructive feedback can we give to Liam to allow him to perform better and the, the final thing I'd say Owen is that people who are responsible for implementing the dis- discipline policy or disciplinary policy if they are charged with doing so should actually know what's contained within the disciplinary policy and you'd be amazed in my career how many times somebody has gone through a disciplinary process and not actually read the policy. And I'm sure Mary could pr- probably add her, her toppence worth to that as well. So, you know, what is your disciplinary policy? What does that say around advance notice of the hearing? What is the employee entitled to in terms of representation? Have you considered what, have you actually listened to the employee? Because sometimes the employee might be being potentially disciplined over something that's actually going on right across the organization. And that doesn't sound fair. And if the WRC hear about it, they're probably going to deem that to be an unfair dismissal with the ensuing costs. So probably the, the three words I'd mention, Owen, culture, um, probationary period stroke, induction and orientation, and training around the disciplinary policy for, for line managers in particular. 
And just so our listeners know, really, Liam doesn't get into half as much trouble as he says. Really, <laughs> you're giving yourself ever. there in two examples, <laughs> Liam, but definitely not a top performer there. I think your point around HR people and managers not knowing the discipline, procedure, policies, not understanding it fully. You know, I understand why that happens. It's not because HR people and managers aren't dedicated professionals who are, you know, doing their level best for the organization. Almost the vast majority of HR people I know put in tremendous hours, are passionately committed to their organization and doing their level best to support their organization, particularly when they're dealing with difficult situations, difficult individuals. It's not because uh, of bloody mindedness. I believe it's just not knowing what to do. And I remember early in my career, really just not knowing what to do around certain major things that were coming up for me where I needed help and support and advice um, and just having to model my way through it, Uh, which is one of the main reasons why we, uh, I suppose, got into this whole podcasting, which was to share some of that knowledge, ease some of that burden for HR people and help to teach in some ways some of the things that you just can't find. You can't find unless you're a member of something, unless you've got budget, unless your organization has approved your spend on a HR consultancy or an organization that gives advice. So it's just so important to, you know, not beat up the people out there who are doing their best, who can't find any free information on this kind of thing. So let's think about what it sounds like a lot lot of our listeners can do to when they do enter this kind of field of HR, um, a lot they can do to to guide them. Um, so a huge thank you to Mary Lean for that ex- insightful discussion. Hopefully that did alleviate a lot of fears and concerns that our listeners might have. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, and as a thank you for listening, we do have some good news. This month's HR Room webinar, which is free, our monthly webinar, will be dedicated solely to managing disciplinary procedures. Uh, so do keep an eye out and register for that webinar, which takes place next week. So do keep an eye out for that and make sure to, to register and learn even more. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Liam. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.